What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That's a very hard statement that Naomi has just made there. It grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. What Naomi is actually saying here is that she felt very sorry for them that God was against her because she saw that they were suffering because God was against Naomi. You know, Naomi could have said to him, I'm a jinx. <laughs> you don't want me. Maybe, you know, when, when you get, a, you know, everything bad happens to people who are around me. You know, I, I, I lose my husband, and, and then you lose your husbands because of me, because I'm the one, you know. And, and, and she's, so she's actually saying to them that I'm worse off than you are. This is what she's saying. And she's saying that she, and she's saying, look, you know, look at me. I'm old. You know, no, 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 I, there's nobody, no man is going to want me for a wife. And, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm just resigned to be alone for the rest of my life, and no one's going to take care of me. It's like the song this morning. They got a lot of tears, but there, were, there was a blessing in disguise with her, blessings in disguise, but she didn't know it. But for Orpah and Ruth, she was saying, look, you're still young. You can attract a new husband. Life can start all over for you. But Naomi is saying that, that look, you know, when you look at me, just think about death. You know, the, the part of the death, of, part of the, my happiness died when I buried my husband and I stood over the grave and I felt part of my happiness buried in that grave with him. And then when, you, when your two husbands, my two sons died and I dug those graves, she said that was the rest of my happiness buried in those graves. So I'm worse off than you are. It's really something. She should be a motivational speaker. <laughs> but... Uh, but for Orpah and Ruth, okay. So she's, she's saying all these things. And, and, and she's saying, no future, no future, no future with me. You follow me, no future. It's very sad. It's very depressing. It's a, no future. Now, it's, this is a classic picture here when you hear Naomi saying this of depression. Naomi is in a state of depression when she says, anybody who gets around me, it grieves me much 
because the Lord's hand, for your sakes, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. Now, sometimes you and I really feel the pressure of depression. Sometimes we fall into depression, but you know, God does not want us to stay in depression. God did not want Naomi to be in depression. Sometimes depression is the result, it can be many reasons, and sometimes the result of some sin that's not been confessed and not been forsaken, sometimes. And in that case, that sin just eats away at the soul like rust, and it drives the person into depression. And we should never, never, ever be deceived into thinking that depression is good. Depression is not good. Depression's normal. It's healthy. It's not normal. It's not healthy. Even clinicians recognize depression as a clinical disease. But God wants to bring a person out of depression, and he, and, and, and he wants them to come out of depression because if a person doesn't come out of depression, eventually they'll come to hate God. Because to think that depression is normal is to develop a, it's like developing a taste for arsenic. I think it tastes pretty good. It's to love death. And that's how the Bible describes it in Proverbs 8.36, where it says, But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. See, God is, not, God is nothing to get depressed about. God is not to get depressed about. Depression is the state of, actually, it's a state of complaining. It's a state of acting out, complaining, or murmuring against God. And the way God takes care of us is nothing to get depressed about. You know, the way he, what he says in Matthew 6.30, he said, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the day, of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He says, Wherefore, in Matthew 6.31-32, the same passage, he says, Wherefore, take you thought, saying, what shall we eat? Let's worry about that. What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of, of all these things. You know, worry is like a, it's like a, it, 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 it doesn't stand still. It can engulf you. I was reading this week about, in the Yamori Times in Japan, about how this young lady was working on the top floor of, of one of those big tall buildings in Tokyo, and, and it was and she had to use the elevator to get up there, and because it was too many flights of stairs to actually walk up. And she was she was thinking there are so many earthquakes in Japan, and she says if there was an earthquake, she had read of how many thousands of people would be trapped in elevators, and she was just consumed by this worry. So she always carried with her the two essential things that she needed, which was a portable toilet, and she was worried, and and uh, and. Uh, and a bottle of water. And when I read that to my wife, she said, oh, she's like my sister. She and I were together. The worry, it just consumed her. And she worried about being trapped in the elevator. You know, but what's so wonderful to realize about how God takes care of us is in the example when the children of Israel were walking through the desert for 40 years. He took such supreme care of them. Even their shoes didn't wear out. They should walk around. They should say, you know, where's the shoe store? <laughs> I'm worried. The desert? No shoe store? He took care of that. Their the little detail of their shoes didn't wear out, wear out. And it says in Exodus 16.35, And the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to the land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came into the borders of the land of Canaan. Right to the day. 
Right to the day God watched over them and says, you don't need manna anymore, so just stop, just like that. It wasn't like, well, there was just a little bit of manna on one day and a little bit less the next day. No, it just instantly stopped. Right when the day when they needed the food in the desert, it came. Right when the day when they didn't need it, it stopped. That's a great God that we have to watch over us and take care of such the little details that we have. Depression is a state of weakness. Depression is cowering in a state of fear of a, what's going to happen next. And the state of fear is, is from Satan. As it says in Job 18, 14, it says, his confidence shall be rooted out of, the tabernacle, of his tabernacle and it shall bring him to the king of terrors. That's how Satan is described, the king of terrors. And that state of fear, that state of terror, it's not from God. It doesn't come from God at all, because it says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And when people lose their will to live, their fight to live, and they just give up, they die. Because death and destruction are Satan's realm, and life and building up is God's realm. And that's why it says in John 10, 10, the Lord says, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, they might have it more abundantly. Depression, as we said, just like fear, it doesn't stand still. It is not stagnant. It has a goal. The goal of depression is to kill and destroy. And that's why when the FBI did their investigation of the Columbine killers, in the high school there, and they found that Eric Harris, who was one of the Columbine High School killers, they found that he had scheduled meetings with his psychiatrist and that he, he complained of depression and, and anger and suicidal thoughts, and his doctor put him on the antidepressant drug Zoloft. And the FBI also found that his accomplice, Claybold, he also suffered from depression. So when the FBI was studying all these, these, these school shootings, they concluded that what was common among the school, kill, school these killers in the schools was depression. Depression that led to feelings of helplessness. Depression that led to feelings of fear, of insecurity, that led to feelings of suicide and eventually the, the desire to kill others. Depression is not of God. It's not from God. David did get depressed several times with his situations, but he got himself out of his depressions by a simple strategy that he gave to us several times, and it worked every time for David. It was his fix-all for depression. And to say that David got, was depressed and to say that that's an excuse for staying in depression is to fail to see that David got himself out of depression. And what's important for us is to see, how did he do that? How did David get himself out of depression? It's a, first of all, David didn't use the word depression. He called it being, he called it my soul is cast down. It's cast down. So every time he recognized that his soul was cast down and depressed, we can see David, he goes over to his medicine. First, he goes over to his bathroom. He looks in his mirror and he says, you're, you're, you're cast down soul. And, 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 he, and he opens up his medicine cabinet and he gets these. And here's what he says in Psalm 42.5. Why art thou cast down? O oh, my soul, why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And then in Psalm 42, 11, 
Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. In Psalm 43, 5, same thing. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. See, three times over in the Psalms, the same, 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 same pattern is shown here. And so what we see here is steps that David took to get himself out of the depression. First, we see that David identified the problem. He looked it square in the face and he said, cast down depression. And when David was downhearted, he was discouraged, he determined he's not gonna stay there. And so he never took the position, well, I'm sad, I'm depressed, God is sovereign, he controls everything, must be the will of God, I have to stay in the state of depression. No, it wasn't David. He didn't do that. He didn't sit down and give up. That wasn't David. The first thing he did, he looks at his sadness, he looks at his gloomy disposition, and he says, I have depression, which he called this casting down the soul. He labels it, he labels his condition. Second thing David does is that he determines to get out of it. And this he did by looking at his, his depression square in the face, pointing his finger at it, the challenging word, and he says, why? Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? So he didn't say, you know, he, 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 he didn't say, well, you know, there's a reason. He said, there's no reason to get depressed. There's no reason to be in feeling the dumps, and I've determined to not to stay there. So he starts out with this question, why, why? And the first step to getting out of depression is to grab the reins of the runaway stagecoach and, whoa, bring it to a halt. Bring it to a halt and stop the fear going on fear and the worry going on worry. And so if there's a sin that needs to be confessed and forsaken, God's left the door open to the altar. The door to the altar is left open in 1 John 1, 9. It's God's open door. If we confess our sin... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, it's a, that, that's the nature of God, to leave the door open to the altar. That's in essence what he was saying in Exodus 34, 6 and 7 when he was proclaiming his name to, to Moses. It says, and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Or sometimes depression is not because of sin. It's the result of just being overwhelmed with grief. And in that case, depression needs to be confronted again with the question, why? Because God has done everything to take care of us and to take us out of depression. You know, if after the fall, if after the fall of man, God had said, you know, I'm finished with man. I gave them the chance and they failed. I'm forsaking them. Then, you know, if he said, you, you got what you deserved, you made your bed and now lie in it. And, and I'm not providing you any salvation. I'm not providing you any way out of your sin and despair. Then we'd have something to be depressed about. <laughs> we'd have something to be depressed about. But God didn't do that. He's done just the opposite. He's, he's, and when he did that, he, did, he started on a course to take us out of depression and despair so that we have every reason to be in a state of quite the opposite that's described in Philippians 4.4, to be in a state of rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Or 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice evermore. Rejoicing, that's the opposite of depression. So David's first step in getting out of depression is to confront it with why. You know, Ellie Maxwell 
was invited years ago in the 20s by a, a Presbyterian farmer, of all people, to come to Three Hills, Alberta, Canada, and start a, a, a formal Bible training, which he later called Prairie Bible Institute, and, and, and to train Christian workers. And he went there in 1922. They only had eight students. And that, student, that school became second only to Moody Bible Institute for the number of missionaries that, that it generated. Pastor Jim went to there. And, and Ellie Maxwell had six children. And one of his, one day his son and his daughter-in-law and their children were driving back there in Three Hills, and it was a very slippery, snowy road, and they lost control of the car, and they had a collision, and the whole family was killed. His son, his daughter, everybody's killed. And so Ellie Maxwell, at the funeral, he gets up to speak, and he says, I was thinking that I should be depressed today, he said. <laughs> this is, yeah. he said I was thinking that I should be depressed today, so I sat down and I thought of the reasons why I should be depressed. And I said, and he said, I thought of my son and their family, and they've all been tragically killed. But then I couldn't help but thinking, but now they're all in heaven, and they're all rejoicing in, in, in the, in, before my Savior. So I just want to tell you, he says, I just want to tell you, I tried very hard to get depressed, and I just couldn't do it. He sat down. <laughs> he, he could not have gotten, he couldn't get depressed over the tragic deaths of his son and his family because he did what Ada did. He said, Why? Why? And when he looked at the situation logically, considered where they are now, he realized, you know, I've got a choice. I can either listen to the devil's voice that's saying, all is lost, all is woe, it's bad and getting worse. You can, like Naomi, the hand of the Lord is against me. Or he could listen to the competing voice of God who's saying, all is well, all is fine, it's just going to get better. The path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more onto the perfect day. And he makes a decision, and he says, I'm going to stop listening to the voice of the devil, seeking to drive me into depression, and he's going to stood firm, and he's going to listen to the voice of God instead. Job's wife said something very interesting. There's a person who had a, maybe you could say, he's got a reason to be depressed, Job does. He lost a lot. And, but Job's wife, with the voice of depression, when Job lost everything, she said to him in Job 2.9, then said his wife unto him, dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Now, in that verse, Job's wife used a very revealing word in regard to depression. She used the word in our English that says retain and retain. That's the word for chazak, the Hebrew word, chazak. And that word is, is extensively used throughout the Bible. And it means to not give up. It means to hold on tight. It means, it's, it's kind of like you could talk about it almost as a chazak hold. It's a real tight grip. It's a hold on to life. It has that meaning, a holding on to life. That's why Job's wife was telling Job to let go of your chazak hold on God and just curse God and die. It's wearing you out. To let go of the chazak hold is to give in to depression. It's not easy to fight against depression. It's not easy at all. It's to, it takes strength. It's tiring. It's a chazak hold. And to let gold, let, let, let hold of this chazak hold is to just give in to death's pull. It's to die. God told Hagar that, that Hagar had got to the point out there when, when she was with her son Ishmael. She'd been um, sent out of Abraham's house into the desert. And she took her, her son uh, Ishmael and she kind of put him off into a bush there. You know, could think about casting him off. She said, I don't want to see the death of my child. And, and, she, and she, so she let go of him, she put him there in the bush, and she went over away. She goes, he's going to die. And what God said to her in Genesis 21, 18 is very interesting. 
he said to her, arise, lift up the lad, and hold him. Chazak, he said, hold on to that boy for his life. And in thine, is in thine hand, lift up the lad and hold him, chazak, in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. So in that verse, we can see that the, the meaning of the word chazak, it means hold on for life. Don't give in to death. That's why Job's wife told Job, give up your chazak hold on God and die. Curse God and die. Yield to depression. It's the word that's used to describe. The same word is used to describe when the angel went into Lot's house in Sodom. And what it says there in Genesis 19.16, and because Lot, he was kind of lingering there. He wasn't quite sure if he should leave or not. And so it says in Genesis 19.16, and while he lingered, the man laid hold upon Hazak, his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful to him, brought them forth and set them without the city. So what happened was that the angel was bringing Lot out of the city of death into this valley of life, if you want to call it that, and that angel had the Hazak hold of life, wasn't going to let go of Job's hand. And see, like the angel with the Hazak hold of life on Job, on Lot, it was the Hazak hold of life that the Lord Jesus Christ was referring to when he said in John 10, 28, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Why? Because he's got the Hazak hold of life on them, on us, on you, on me. And the same he speaks of the Father this way in John 10, 29, when he says, my Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. No man's able to pluck them out. Uh, my father's hand. Why? He's got the chazak hold of life on them as well. And when depression comes to us, God says that we need a chazak hold on God. He says, let him lay hold on me in Isaiah. That's the word, chazak. He says in Isaiah 35, 3, he says, strengthen ye, chazak, strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the weak knees. See, chazak is the word that Joab used to his men when they, before they were going out to this battle against the Syrians, when they were in great danger of being slaughtered, and Joab turns to them and encourages them, and he says in 1 Chronicles 19.13, 1 Chronicles 19.13, where he says, be of good courage and let us behave ourselves valiantly. Chazak, he said, for our people, for the cities of our God, and let the Lord do that which is good in his sight. When he said, let us behave ourselves valiantly for our people, let us chazak hold on to life for us, for our people, so we shouldn't die. To not yield to depression is to have this chazak hold, this fight for life. God's happy with us when he sees that. He knows the pressure that we're under. He knows the pressure that we have that come to us sometimes through depression. And he's happy when we have this chazak hold on him. And he talks to others about it as well, as he did in Job 2, 3, where it says, and the Lord said unto Satan, said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and cheweth evil, cheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity. He chazak is holding his integrity. It's tiring for Job, but he's got it. Although thou movest me against him, destroy him without cause. So God was saying to Satan, look at my servant Job. Just look at him there. Look at how hard he's sweating with his hazak hold on life. He's not going to let go of me. He's not going to let go. He's fighting that depression that's leading him to hate God because depression doesn't sit still. Depression is progressive. 
It moves into deeper progression. It's like a quicksand. It generates darkness. It generates more darkness. That's why depression has to be fought against. That's why the word chazak was used by Job's wife, because she could see he was fighting against depression with this chazak hold. And David, in his chazak fight against depression, he turns to God. He hopes in God. He says, he's the health of my countenance. And with all of that, he's got this chazak fight through the clouds of depression, and I'll get to the sunshine of praising God. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.